You're listening to The Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here, your host. We have a lot to get into. Some things that happened at Clash of Champions last Sunday. Some things that got into Monday Night Raw this past Monday. AEW, NXT, and this Sunday being NXT TakeOver 31. I'll be giving my NXT TakeOver predictions at the end of this episode. But before we get into that, there is so much we have to get into and we're going to kick things off with what happened this past Sunday at Clash Champions. Not going to get into everything, but mainly the few things that I did want to talk about. Overall, Clash of Champions is a pay-per-view. I would say I give it like a solid six and a half. And that's being generous, honestly. Some of the matches were clunky. They weren't that great. I like some of the things that happened in there. Like first, first and foremost, I like the things that are going on with Sasha and Bailey continuing continuing their feud. Uh, apparently, it's being reported by Russell Votes that they will be headlining Hell in a Cell this coming month, presumably for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Obviously, I'm not sure if this is going to be the end of the feud. I'm not sure if they will main event because you know things change with Vince McMahon and his crazy, crazy, crazy mind of his. But I have to say, if they do do this, I don't think it would be the end of the feud. I think it would probably be like one and then continuing on for other matches that they could potentially have. So, that being said, uh, Bailey had an open challenge and she faced Asuka. It was a rather quick match. And then Sasha came out and attacked Bailey. And Sasha was selling the neck. Again, this is one of my favorite feuds going on at the moment in WWE. Um, again, will Sasha and Bayley headline Hell in a Cell? Or will they not headline Hell in a Cell? The fact of the matter is I think the match that they're going to have will be a Hell in a Cell match. I think regardless of whatever happens, whether they made it or not, they will have a Hell in a Cell match. And I think it's the most properly built feud to have a Hell in a Cell match. However, I don't want that to be the end of the feud. I think this should be maybe a best of three in their series. Like, have a match in Hell in a Cell. Um, then maybe have a match on SmackDown or something. But you gotta do something to milk this out to WrestleMania. You gotta have it where Sasha wins the Women's Royal Rumble. And then they... I, I mean, I would love for Sasha and Bailey to main event WrestleMania next year. I'm not sure if it'll happen. But do it so at least the match gets to WrestleMania. Logically, he's thinking, but then again, we don't think logically if you work for WWE. Uh, but logically, they probably would probably would make the main event of Hell in a Cell and then make their feud go all the way to WrestleMania. But we'll have to wait and see. At the at the moment, that is the current plan to have Sasha and Bailey inside Hell in a Cell. Um, some other things that happened at uh, Class of Champions is that. Um, Drew and Randy Orton's match was a bit clunky, a bit weird. I mean, having Big Show come in at one point, and then Christian, and then Shawn Michaels, and then Ric Flair drives the ambulance with the cracked windshield with Randy in the back. Um, I, the the closing. I mean, the most of the match 
for the clunkiness that you are hearing from me right now. Most of the match was, uh, it was okay, but I think towards the end is where it got really, really fun. I mean, Shawn Michaels coming in, super kicking Randy Orton and throwing him, you know, just kind of, just give a little push over the ambulance into the table. Um, I did think at one point Randy would win, but I was happy that they had Drew go over. I'm just not happy that this feud is continuing, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, the main thing that I want to talk about coming out of Clash Champions is this. Roman Reigns is the best version of himself right now. I think that goes without saying. I think that's kind of obvious, but Roman Reigns is the best version of himself right now. He needs to stay as a heel for as long as he possibly can. He needs to stay in heel until people will start genuinely cheering for him again. With the pandemic going on, who the hell knows when WWE will allow crowds back into their into the into their shows. But the fact of the matter is, Roman Reigns is doing amazing work with with his heel with his heel character with Paul Heyman at his side. He decimated Jay Uso. The match was a lot better than I thought it would be. Not because that I doubt the ability of Jay Uso and Roman Reigns, but because I thought it was going to be more of a squash match. I thought it was going to be more of Roman beating down his cousin, more of Roman just dominating and beating the shit out of Jay Uso. I thought it was going to be more of that, but it wasn't. There Jay Uso did get some great babyface offense in on Roman Reigns. There were some great moments in between where Roman was saying to the commentary team, this I love him. This is my cousin. You know, I don't want to do this. And I think Samoa Joe's one picked up. You know, maybe, you know, this is a tough love Roman's trying to give right now. This is tough love he's trying to give to Jey Uso. So, I said Roman kept, he speared him a bunch of times. He kept spearing him, telling him, like, you want this? This is what you want? This is what you want. All you got to say is I'm the tribal chief. I'm the tribal chief. I'm at the head of the table. All... All you got to do is say that, and then it's over. Jey Uso refused to say it. He just he kept spearing him and beating on him, punching him and beating beating him down. He's holding up Jey Uso's head, looking directly into the camera. Tell them. Tell the world I'm the tribal chief. Tell them I'm the tribal chief. You want to keep this going? And Jey Uso refuses to do it. He refuses to call Roman Reigns a tribal chief, and he just keeps getting the shit beat out of him until Jimmy Uso comes down, you know, hobbling on one leg, essentially. I don't know what's going on there. But he's like, you don't have to do this, Us. You don't have to do this going to, to Jay. You proved yourself, all right? You don't have to do this. He's like, like just, just, just stop. Just stop. So it was, uh, you know, Jimmy Uso was there trying to stop the whole thing. And he had the white towel. And he threw in the towel for Jay Uso. I mean, that was very reminiscent of Cody and Jericho with MJF. Very reminiscent. But I digress. I think this solidified Roman Reigns as the top heel in WWE. It solidified this character, and he... I I want to say it was Michael Cole and Corey Graves. I'm sorry about saying my Samoa Joe comment earlier. Samoa Joe's on Raw. It must have been Corey Graves or Michael Cole who said this is tough love earlier. So... I believe it was Corey Graves or Michael Cole who said, if this is Roman Reigns kind of going easy on his cousin, what makes you think he's he's going to do against an actual opponent to that, some, somewhere to that effect? 
Jey Uso wore a rose necklace, a tri- uh, tribal thing for Samoan culture, I believe. And Jimmy Uso had said, like, it's it, man. It's it. It's over. It's over. You're the tribal chief, Oof. Oos. Is that what you want? You're the tribal chief. You're the head of the table. And Paul Heyman grabbed the flower necklace, put it around Roman Reigns, and he lifted the championship and his arms in the air, declaring him as the victor. Paul Heyman even looked concerned. Like, it is a look on the face of Paul Heyman when, like, Brock Lesnar gets out of control. That's the look of the the look Paul Heyman had towards the end of this match after the match is over. So I cannot wait to see where Roman Reigns goes next. I cannot wait to see who he's going to feud with next, who he's going to go at, who's going to go out to the title. I mean, from what it seems like, it looks like they're going to be going with with the Fiend again. And I love what was going on on SmackDown this past Friday, where Alexa Bliss kept going into a trance whenever the Fiend was mentioned, or when the Fiend's laughter was going around. Alexa Bliss went to a blind rage with Lacey Evans. And after her match, she had this look on her face, again, like in this trance, as Roman was standing there with the title. Alexa Bliss was just staring down Roman Reigns. So, presumably, the next feud has to be Roman Reigns versus The Fiend. I, but I loved the little subtlety in there. I loved the the character building and the more seeds planting for the story for The Fiend and Roman for their eventual clash, where, wherever it will be, whatever pay-per-view it will be. And most likely Hell in a Cell. As long as we don't get a Hell in a Cell match where the lights are red and the cell is red again, as long as we don't do that again like we did last year, I think we'll be fine. But yeah, Roman Reigns is my favorite thing going on probably in the whole main roster. Yeah, the whole main roster because SmackDown's been so good. And I try to talk more about SmackDown in this podcast, but the way my schedule goes, I don't get to see it too often. Unfortunately, I have to see shitty Monday Night Raw, which we'll get into next. Monday Night Raw. Um, it appears the Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton feud is still happening. The promo uh, that opened up with Raw was Drew McIntyre in the ring with Big Show, Ric Flair, Co- uh, Kofi Kingston, why do I want to say that? Christian and Shawn Michaels. And if you were, if you didn't, just from a first glance, if you're your first time watching uh, wrestling or Raw for a long time, you'd think Drew McIntyre has this new heel stable with him. But no, Drew's the babyface. I did like how he, he spun it, though, where he said, you know, that this got so personal with Randy that I didn't mind that these people got in because they because Randy got what he deserved. So the way Drew was able to spin that made it seem okay and made it reasonable that, okay, yeah, that's it's it's very reasonable that... All these guys wanted to get their revenge on Randy because he's wronged them in some way or another. Randy Orton says that we're not that they're not done, unfortunately. Uh, but Drew McIntyre does lay out an open challenge later on on Raw. But the condition is it has to be against somebody he hasn't defended the title against. So we'll get to that a little later on. Uh, it appears that WWE are on the right track with Keith Lee. Unfortunately, it's at the expense of Andrade. It appears Andrade has not only separated himself from Zelina Vega, but apparently he has also separated himself from Angel Garza. Apparently, he was saying that you know that Zelina and Angel were the weaker of the two, and he is the true star, and he's going to prove it. And he laid out an open challenge, and Keith Lee accepted. As much as I love Andrade. And I do love Keith Lee as well. This was the right call. 
because with all this ridiculous booking of Keith Lee and how he's coming to the main roster, it, it just it really hurt him. I think the thing to do now is to put Keith Lee in good matches, make him look really strong, competitive matches. I would just say for the next match you do it, just don't do it against the expense of somebody like Andrade because Andrade has been hurt with this feud with the Street Profits with himself and Angel Garza. So maybe this will start a feud between Andrade and Keith Lee. Maybe, maybe we'll get Keith Lee versus Andrade at the next pay-per-view and on Hell in a Cell, which I'll be for. I'm, I'm good with it. It just sucks for Andrade because I, I really like him. I really like his work. But not everybody can win their feud. Not everybody can, you know you know, get a push or whatever, and I get that. It's just the booking of with Andrade, it it just didn't make any sense. It just didn't really make much sense to use him. You could have used somebody else, but I digress. I'm just glad to see that Keith Lee is finally on the right track with getting back up on the card and getting back to where he... Just, just booking him like a regular, you know without any ridiculous DQs or non-finishes or any other bullshit when they had him in there between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. Uh, another thing that happened on Raw is that Aleister Black uh, revealed that he, well, he took off his eye, eye uh, his little bandage, whatever, and he's got a black contact. He also has a new theme song, which... I'm not crazy about. It's not bad. It's not horrible. Um, but it's it's. Oh man, I, I I think the thing is that it was reported a while ago that WWE are they are no longer working with CFOS or CFO dollar sign whatever you want to call them whatever they are called because it's never been officially re- recognized as to how you pronounce their their little group, but. I think that they're trying to separate talent with the music that they have from that group to do to have a new uh, whoever this person is writing their music. Um, I would say it really sucks that they are no longer with the company, uh, you know, CFOS. But it's really because they put out some bangers, man. I mean, Nakamura's theme song. You know, uh, Alistair Black's theme song was great. Glorious Bobby Roode. Undisputed Era. Johnny Gargano. Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, Ricochet's theme song was great before they got the in there. They always got to add some stupid shit in when they go to the main roster. Uh, I mean, they make great theme songs. Seth Rollins' theme song. This Shield theme song. Uh, Bray Wyatt's original theme song. It's so, they were so, so good. I just think that it's making changes for the sake of making changes, and they're trying to distance themselves. I, I'm, I'm guessing that things didn't work out so well with that group because this year we've seen Keith Lee's theme song change. We've seen Aleister Black's theme t- song change, Seth Rollins, and there's one other per- There's one other one I'm forgetting right now, and I it's going to kill me, and I'm probably going to forget it after I'm done recording this podcast. But But I digress. So, Aleister Black's theme song's not bad, but it's not the best either. And apparently he had a hand in helping make it. I don't know. I, I really, I'm really going to miss Root of Evil because it's, it was one of my favorite theme songs to come out of NXT and one of my f- favorite current WWE theme songs. But I'll have to wait and see. I did like Aleister Black's promo that he cut. He said, you know, that um, 
you know, you, you betray all your friends. You ask for forgiveness. Well, I cannot forgive, no, nor can I forget. Is kind of the gist of the promo. He... Kevin Owens and Alistair Black were having a decent match. The only problem is how they ended this. I don't know if this was a botch or whatever. But Alistair Black was going for strikes on Kevin Owens in the ropes. And when he was going for one of the strikes, the el- when he was pulling back one of his arms, the el- his elbow hit the referee and the referee got knocked down and the referee called for a disqualification. And that is some real bullshit. Some real bullshit. Even though he struck referee, it's not like he intentionally struck a referee. Because how many times have we seen uh, wrestlers hit referees or grab referees, pull them in front, and then they don't get disqualified and the ref gets knocked down? It's been going on for years. So all of a sudden, Alistair Black... Like, and this is intentional, by the way. They'll pull... The, they'll pull... You know, you've seen it. You'll... A heel will pull a referee in front of them. A babyface will go for an attack on a heel, and they'll hit the referee by accident. And Alistair Black, it seems, hit the referee by accident, and he gets disqualified. It's such bullshit. It it really doesn't make me enjoy this feud. I mean, maybe they're trying to extend the feud so they can get to the Hell in a Cell, get to a pay-per-view match, but you could have done better ways than this. You could have done better ways than doing this, you know? I mean, and I didn't like that they turned Aleister Black heel, and I've been very outspoken about how I feel about this Kevin Owens-Aleister Black feud. And it's not necessarily that I don't want Aleister Black to be a heel, and I've said... In previous episodes that he didn't need to be a heel and if they just knew what the fuck to do with him they wouldn't need to turn him heel but it is what it is right now and you could have had better ways of booking him as a heel or better ways to extend this feud to get to Kevin Owens versus Aleister Black in Hell in a Cell you know you could have had Aleister Black have some kind of promo segment just, just the dark spooky promo and run down Kevin Owens. You didn't have to have a match. You know, there are other ways of booking this feud. And I just feel like it's so far gone at this point that I'm not going to be excited when they have their pay-per-view match. And that's horrible to say because I love Aleister Black and I love Kevin Owens. They're two of my favorite wrestlers. They're absolute... Aleister Black, I've said, is one of the most unique wrestlers in the world today. And Kevin Owens is very unique, too. They are both two of the best wrestlers on Raw, but you wouldn't know that. Well, actually, you do know that. It's just it's just the piss poor booking of how this feud has been going on. Um, this feud will continue. It's, it's just... I'm just worried for Aleister Black. I mean, Kevin Owens is kind of in a better position here. I mean, I I know I know this feud is real. I I know they're tr- I think they're trying to do more with Alistair Black. But again, if you just let wrestlers be themselves, if you just let wrestlers work on their own characters, you wouldn't need these bullshit expressions of oh, a fresh coat of paint or a shot in the arm. I mean, you fucked up so badly, you're the reason for the shot in the arm. It's not it's not like it's not like they're going out there, there's a crowd there and they're getting stale. And even when most wrestlers do get stale nowadays in WWE, it's because you're not booking them properly. It's not consistent booking. Anyway, let's move on from Aleister Black and Kevin Owens because I'm just done talking 
about it. Uh, the end of the night saw Christian, Big Show, Ric Flair, and Shawn Michaels playing poker backstage, and it showed Randy Orton to be a, disguised as a janitor, and you didn't see it, but you heard him hit chair shots to everybody, and he kind of beat everybody up. Um, okay, I don't. I guess it shows more sadistic side of Randy Orton, maybe. Um, but to go back a bit, I forgot to mention, uh, Drew McIntyre has his open challenge on Raw. And out comes Dolph Ziggler. And Drew's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't you hear the conditions? I said, who hasn't faced me? You had a title shot against me. To be fair, Dolph Ziggler's in a suit. And he goes, well, it's not me. Points to the Titantron. Glorious, the glorious Bobby Roode. Sorry, the glorious Robert Roode. Robert Roode has returned to Raw. It was reported about a week or so ago that he re- returning to Monday Night Raw very soon. Uh, we haven't seen Robert Roode since February, I don't think, because he lives in Canada. It took him a while to get over back to the States. But it's good to see Robert Roode back. Uh, they had a very good match, uh, Drew and Robert Roode. This calls back to their match in NXT TakeOver th- uh, Brooklyn 3 when Drew beat uh, then Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship. And I like this. Um, Bobby Roode was looking more rugged and more scruffy than than glorious, uh, but it's quarantine. You know, you can kind of do what you want. You can dye your hair, you can grow your hair, you can grow a beard, you can shave your head, you can you can do whatever. You know, no one's gonna judge you because we're all going, we're all locked inside. For the most of the year, we've been locked inside our homes and going fucking crazy. But Robert Roode and Joe McIntyre had a very good match. I wouldn't mind to see more of this feud. I, I, I honestly, I'd personally rather see McIntyre and and Robert Roode in a feud rather than Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. But they want to get one last match out of Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, so we'll have to wait and see. That's all I'm going to talk about for Monday Night Raw at the moment because there's a lot of other things that I want to get into and that I need to get into for the rest of this episode so I don't make it go forever. Uh, the next portion, uh, we're going to go to AEW, and then once AEW is over, we're going to get into NXT, into the NXT TakeOver 31 predictions. So, uh, this week of Dynamite, I mean, it's another great episode. I say all the time that AEW Dynamite is the most, it's the best TV, wrestling TV product. It's the best week-to-week wrestling TV product I loved it so much. Uh, the show opened with Darby Allen and Rick, Ricky Starks, and what a match these two had. I mean, these guys are two potential top babyface slash heel, and maybe even top babyface for Ricky Starks one day. Who knows? But at the moment, but at the moment, I see Darby Allen as the top, the top babyface of AEW. I, I believe I've said it before on this podcast. I believe Darby Allen will be the centerpiece. Of AEW for years and years to come as the top babyface, and I think MJF is going to be the top, the centerpiece of the being the top heel in AEW for years and years to come. But getting back to this match with him and Rick, with Darby Allen, Rick, Ricky Starks, they just put on a banger of a match. They're doing, they do so, they have great chemistry together. I mean, Ricky Starks has the best spear in professional wrestling right now, and he has no business having it. I mean, my God, he has a brutal spear, and I love it. The match ended with Darby Allen getting the win, hitting the coffin drop, and I definitely want to see more of these guys. I definitely want to see more of Ricky Starks, and I definitely want to see more of Darby Allen because I don't think this feud is over just yet. I don't think it's over just yet. 
Um, next up, Cody, uh, the American Nightmare Cody has returned. Uh, he is in the ring with, uh, I believe Dasha Fuentes is her name. I cannot remember. Cody comes into the ring and Dasha is asking how he's doing, how he's feeling. Cody, again, cuts another brilliant in-ring promo. He cuts another excellent promo. I mean, Cody Rhodes is definitely the best promo guy, uh, if not one of, if not the best promo guy in AEW currently. You know, he talks about how he was gone for a bit. He got a call from Hollywood, and he's on this show with all these, you know, guys like Snoop, you know, guys like Snoop Dogg, and uh, I can't look honestly. I cannot remember that show he's going to be a part of, and all those other people. I remember Snoop Dogg. Fact of the matter is, Cody felt out of place. And he said earlier how his trainer, Al Snow, has said, like, in wrestling, pre-pandemic, we we shook hands as a sign of respect. When really, we didn't shake hands as a sign of respect. We, we shake hands because we need each other. We need each other to stick together in this sport that we love so much. Cody was going on and on, back and forth, and to say that, say that, even say that, Believe they believe that he is the ace, but that goes and runs down the champions that we have here in AEW. You know, Hikaru Shida, John Moxley, and the ace he calls holding that title, Brody Lee. So then it was an embarrassment that he beat Brody Lee, that Brody Lee beat him for the TNT title in less than three minutes. After all the hard work he's been putting in, after all the hard work he's been putting in for the TNT Championship uh, Open Challenge, the previous week Brody Lee cut another cut a great promo, challenging Cody to a dog collar match. Dasha had asked Cody straight up to Brody Lee's challenge, "Do you accept?" And he says to his to that, "I say no," and I'm shocked to hear that. Cody turned down a challenge. So we thought. He exits the ring. He walks halfway to the rampway. He pauses for a moment. Walks back in the ring. Asks Dasha for the mic. And he goes, no, as in no regrets. No, as in never backing down. Next week, AEW, TNT Championship, dog collar match, you're on. And then Brody Lee and the Dark Order come out, and they just start brawling. So many of the other day, AEW roster come out. It's a big pull-apart brawl between Cody and Brody Lee. This was so well done. I loved this segment. It was done Perfectly? Was it perfect? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. That's your opinion to say, but I loved this segment. It really made me excited, and it made me want to watch Dynamite next week. I mean, AEW does such an amazing job of making me want to watch every single week. I loved this ma- uh, this this segment, rather. I loved this segment, and th- that's definitely the match that's going to pull me in to watch next week, and it most certainly will be the main event. I mean, it has to be the main event. After that segment and how well it did, it's got to be the main event. Uh, moving on, uh, I was saying this all throughout Twitter last night, uh, that FTR are the best heel tag team in the world. Arguably, they're probably the best tag team in the world as well. But for my opinion, they are the best heel tag team in the world. They have a really great match with SCU with Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. This was their 
their challenge that they laid out. And it's it's just the little things that they do. You know? Where Dax Harwood was, you know, standing back, standing back because he grabbed Scorpio's guy from their corner, and then in comes Cash Wheeler right behind him, running running him down, hits Scorpio with a clothesline. And this was as far as this week goes so far, match of the week, for sure match of the week for right now, TakeOver might have a different story. But it, tag t- I love seeing tag team wrestling in such a prominent feature in AEW. There is no shadow of a doubt that AEW have the best tag team division, and it's just great to see great tag team TV matches. It's just great to see them. I mean... FTR pulling out all the stops, using every trick in the book to be the perfect heels. Even towards the finish, where Tully Blanchard was taking Scorpio Sky's legs and pulling them so he couldn't kick out. Sneaking away with the victory. It's FTR does so great as little things, and I, I think Tully Blanchard is doing such a great job as their manager. Beforehand, they were being interviewed by the Young Bucks, and the Young Bucks super kicked Tony Schiavone. FTR just called them out and said, "Like, hey, hey, we're right here. Come on, we're right here. How come you didn't super kick us?" FTR wanted the wanted the fight. During their tag match, though, Hangman Page was on commentary, and he was drinking whiskey. Uh, you know how Kenny has been on commentary for Hangman's matches the past couple weeks. Hangman Page was on commentary for FTR's match. Again, this is this whole story with FTR, Hangman, and, uh, Kenny. It's and the sad thing was that Hangman found out that Kenny didn't want to be his tag partner anymore during that tag match. He's like, "Oh, is that what he said?" And he said, "Yeah, Kenny told us on commentary that he he's done being in a tag team and he wants to be a singles competitor again." And it's like Hangman kind of like, "Oh, oh, yeah, you know that." Like he was trying to hide the sadness. But that was cool. At one point, Christopher Daniels got ejected, and FTR was able to make the ref eject Christopher Daniels. I don't remember that specific part. But what's funny is that Hangman Page is like, Yo, Chris, CD, give me another drink. Ah, he's not listening to me. <laughs> Hangman Page going back to drinking. Um, again, this will probably lead to a uh, singles match between Kenny and, uh, and Hangman at full gear later in November. Uh, but again, I love this match. This was a an excellent tag team match. And I love seeing SCU back on TV as a tag team. It's been a while, and I've really missed it. I really missed it. I mean, I want to see more of CD and Frankie Kazarian as a tag team again. And I'd love to see Scorpio Sky get a more of a singles push. But it's good to see Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian back on the tag team division again. It's long overdue. Uh, next up. Chris Jericho had a match with Isaiah Cassidy, and that went really well. Uh, Luther and his tag team partner, I can't remember who he is, uh, attack Chris Jericho, and it leads to a it's going to lead to a tag match next week in the 30-year anniversary of Chris Jericho's career between Hager and Chris Jericho against Luther and whoever this guy is. I'm sorry, I just cannot remember his name. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy and Chris Jericho put on a decent match, but a very good match. And again, Chris Jericho, I've been saying it, being a dead horse this time at this point. Chris Jericho helping and working with younger talent, only helping rise their stock and help them learn for their matches in their future to come. Uh, will this continue the feud with uh, Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho? I'm not sure. 
because what 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 became my favorite segment of the night, which was the inner circle hanging out in their little locker room, MJF and Wardlow come, and MJF comes bearing gifts. He gives them these inner circle jackets, gives one to Hager, gives one to Santana, to Ortiz, to Le Champion Chris Jericho, and then right as about he's to give about to get one for Sammy, he's like, Oh, this is embarrassing. I, I'm sorry. Wardlow, where's Sammy's jacket? Did you see it? Like, wasn't it in the box? Like, oh, Sam, I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. You know, it's just... And they did a great callback to their segment they had last year. Chris Jericho's like, you know, like, like, appreciate the jackets, uh, Max. They're, they're really nice and everything. But, you know, what are you doing? Like, what is it you want? You know, I'm going to go back to the question you never answered. You, ne- you never answered me a long time ago. Do you want to join the inner circle? And MJF goes back and goes, "Well, Chris, I'm gonna call back to an, a question that I asked you a long time ago, and that is, do you want me to join the inner circle?" And they went back and forth, back and forth, like calling back to that great in-ring segment they had uh, around this time last, almost this time last year on Dynamite. It was fantastic. Um, it was a fun, fun segment, and again, it's planting these seeds for a potential MJF and Chris Jericho match for full gear, which I am all for. You know, they're boasting, they're both bragging about the other, they're both building each other up, you know, and as Wardlow and MJF are leaving, Sammy's like, oh man, what a loser, and Chris Jericho's like, wait, hold up, perhaps he's not. Maybe we could get MJF in the inner circle. Maybe we could get MJF in the inner circle. Um, I've always said that MJF should be his own thing, but if it leads to MJF versus Chris Jericho down the line, because as great as it would be for full gear, I do think we could milk this out. I do think we could milk this out to a future pay-per-view. Could we milk it out to Revolution of next year? Maybe do it till then, you know, milk, milk it out that far and maybe have a bit of a baby face turn or a tweener role for Chris Jericho. Because I don't think MJF should turn heel for a very long time. MJF is clearly the better heel. No offense to Chris Jericho. But MJF has, you know, he's been one of the best heels in wrestling for, a, you know, consistently for a long time now. Um, most likely, though, I do see MJF versus Chris Jericho having a full gear. I don't necessarily think they could, they will build it up that long, but it would be interesting to see because it would just make seeing the match that much better. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, she has returned to AEW Dynamite and she looks better than ever. I mean, Britt looks so much better from a year ago. And not that she wasn't good a year ago, but she's really coming to her own in this heel character. She's really done an outstanding job. And I have said from the very beginning, she needs to be the face of the AEW women's division. She needs to be the one to take the title off of Hikara Shida. She needs to be the one to do it. And now that Brit is cleared and Shida, once she's done with her little feud with Thunder Rosa, let it be Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's Championship. Let them feud for, oh, you know, 
give them time because as much as we love AEW, the women's division is very lacking, unfortunately. That is the biggest negative when it comes to the in-ring product of the AEW women's division. It's improved. Don't get me wrong. It's improved. And it's not like there aren't any good matches. Riho was great. Uh, Riho versus Nyla Rose 2 when Nyla Rose beat Riho for the championship. The first match was good too. Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose at Double or Nothing was great. Thunder Rosa versus Hikaru Shida at All Out recently was great. Hikaru, I'm sorry, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb was fantastic. So, the it's improving. It's improving and it's doing well. But we haven't had that feud where we can go, oh man, this... I am so excited for this. And I believe Hikaru Shida and Dr. Britt Baker can have that feud. They can have that feud for years to come when we talk about the great women's uh, women's title feuds. Or women's feuds in all elite wrestling. It's Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Hikaru Shida. That's what it needs to be. And that's what I believe it's going to be. This should be dragged out for a while, let it happen at full gear, bring it all the way to, to Revolution, do what you want with it. But the fact of the matter is that Dr. Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida needs to happen. And I think building Britt back up a little bit works. Having her beat some other local competitors or just some lower, lower, lower the card women on the roster can really help. It also doesn't help that there have been injuries in the AEW Women's Division, like Britt Baker and Chris Statlander, who I'm sure they had big plans for. But right now, the thing that can really help boost it and elevate it again is Britt Baker versus Sukara Shida. That's the match I really want to see the most, and Britt Baker needs to have that championship right away. As soon as you're done with Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker takes the title from Hikaru Shida. The last match of the night was John Moxley defending the AEW Championship against an opponent of Eddie Kingston's choosing. So, Eddie Kingston is great on the mic. I said Cody was might be AEW's best promo guy, but Eddie Kingston gives him a run for his money. So, he walked out there with, San, uh, with Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, with Bryce Remberg, the referee, who refereed their match last week. And he said, you and I have known each other for a long time. We know our families. We know our, know our kids. And, you know, we've been up and down the road for, together for years together, Bryce. I didn't tap out. Why did you say I lost by submission? I didn't tap out. And Bryce Renberg actually made some very decent points, and he was actually pretty good on the mic. Saying, like, you, yes, we've known each other for years. We know each other's families. That's our personal life. In here, in this ring, this is our professional life. This was nothing personal. You were knocked out. You were passed out, Eddie. You were passed out. I was doing my job. Uh, my job is to make sure that you, your, the competitors in this ring are safe. And you were knocked out cold. You were unconscious. So I could not just let the match keep going. I had to end it. You were knocked out. And then Bryce Renberg was attacked. Out comes John Moxley, Kingston, Pentagon, and Phoenix uh, leave the ring, and in comes the Butcher. And the Butcher and Moxley had a decent match. Never been a big fan of the Butcher and the Blade, and you know they kind of started well, and then they just 
uh, they kind of faded out. However, though, uh, this is a decent match. Moxley won, and I am glad that they are doing... I, again, I'm glad they're doing this feud with Moxley and uh, Kingston continuing while Lance Archer was supposed to be in this position, and while Lance Archer is currently uh, stuck at home quarantining for contracting COVID-19. Uh, but it's it's Eddie Kingston, I think, is a great substitute. And when Lance Archer is ready to come back and when Moxley is done with Kingston, you can have him go to have Archer versus uh, Moxley at full gear. Or you can do Kingston versus Archer versus Moxley at full gear for a triple threat match. I believe I've talked about this before where you can have that. Maybe a Brian Cage get involved. And then we have Archer versus Brian Cage for the following pay-per-view or for the following next several ma- uh, episodes of Dynamite. Because I think... That would be an incredible match to watch. I mean, two big guys who who are just absolute beasts in Brian Cage and Lance Archer. But right now, I'm really enjoying the stuff with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, mainly because of the mic work and the promo work of Eddie Kingston. I will be, I will fully admit, I was familiar with Eddie Kingston, but I've never really seen anything he's done until he's come to AEW, and I'm glad I've discovered him. Because he's in the top, he is in the top program on AEW right now. He's in the title picture, and the guy is money. He is such an amazing character. And I'm really enjoying his work. The next, the rest of this episode is going to be all NXT. Going to go over some things that happened on the episode of NXT, and then we're going to dive into the NXT Takeover 31 predictions. So the m- few things happened on this show building to Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly they had a a montage of pictures videos of Kyle O'Reilly with different members of the Undisputed Era showing his different times on the road together um, Adam Cole was saying that you know, there's no one better he's like I support my friend I Kyle is going to go he's going to be the new NXT champion Austin Theory was running down Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole challenged him to a match and said you have one of two options you can come in here face me like a man or the Undisputed Air will come down here beat you down so badly that you'll be begging for option one so Austin Theory and and, uh, Adam Cole had a very good match Cole ends up winning the match so it was reported recently I believe by Meltzer by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer that Apparently, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are set to have big babyface pushes. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean say anything about Roderick Strong or, or Bobby Fish, and it could be they could be staying as heels because they they are for certainly they're certainly staying as heels. They've been acting like proper dickheads on NXT television. Um, so it makes me wonder what that's going to play into this Sunday with NXT Takeover. But we'll get to that in a little while. What I do want to talk about, though, is this segment that happened between Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. So, it was a sit-down segment with Shawn Michaels mediating the whole thing. Shawn Michaels is saying that Kyle O'Reilly, he believes, is the best-kept secret in professional wrestling. And Finn's got to, you know, have run for his money this Sunday. Finn Balor said that he knows just how damn good Kyle O'Reilly is. He knows he, that him that he's not a secret. Maybe to an average wrestling fan who doesn't necessarily who have only seen Kyle's tag stuff or him in NXT, 
may not realize how good of a wrestler he is, but he is that damn good. Kyle O'Reilly was saying how that the, he's never been in the ring with anyone like Finn Balor. With that Finn Balor has never been anyone in the ring with anyone in the ring like Kyle O'Reilly. And Kyle O'Reilly says that the fact that he is treated like the underdog in the match is bullshit. Those are the exact words of Kyle O'Reilly. The fact that he is treated and that he is looked at as the underdog in this match is bullshit. And I, I, I gotta say, the way they have been building Kyle O'Reilly in just the in just two weeks, in just two weeks. I mean, to build him up to this level, to make him seem like he's a credible threat for Finn Balor's NXT Championship. I want him to win so badly. I want Kyle O'Reilly to win so badly. Finn Balor says in the 20 years in this business that I've seen, there's no one who can step to my level. Kyle O'Reilly says, oh, for 20 years. I've been in this business for 15. What's another five years? Oh, to be a good Irish boy. Kyle O'Reilly says that, he will win the NXT Championship this Sunday, but the but the line of the segment, the the final word, as Shawn Michaels said, "You're the champion. You're the final word." Is that Kyle? You are great. You've been great for a long time. There is no one in the who works in the ring like you, and I think you have everything that it takes to be the NXT champion and win the championship. If the title wasn't held. By Finn Balor. Oof. It made me so excited for this match on Sunday. Probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. And I'll get into more of what I think could happen this Sunday. Into the predictions in just a little bit. But a question is. Who is this mystery wrestler. That we keep seeing is going to return for TakeOver. Are they going to get involved in one of these matches? Are they going to get involved in potentially the main event? The, uh, the one of the other championship matches between Gargano and Priest, between LeRae and Shirai. I've heard rumors that it's possible that this person could be Ember Moon coming back. And please bring Ember Moon back to NXT. Please don't bring her back to Raw or SmackDown. I mean, the possibilities between Ember Moon and all these other wrestlers that she got matches with, with Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai, Candice LeRae. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on, and it could really help boost the women's roster at the moment because it has gone down a bit. Not a lot, but just a bit. The talent is still great, but I really think Ember Moon could could really, really add to the women's division. And and she really never should have left to begin with. She had a premature... Uh, uh, prematurely left NXT. I know she lost the NXT Women's Championship, but she didn't have a great reign. I just really want her back in NXT. I miss Ember Moon. I miss her so much. But I guess with that being said, I think we should get into these NXT TakeOver 31 predictions. So, kicking off with Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. Okay, I'm just going to get this one out of the way. I'm going to go Kushida because they've been teasing this more aggressive side of Kushida. And I really don't think they... I, I really don't want them to push Velveteen Dream. I think that it's baffling that they're still pushed. That they, he's still on TV. I think maybe they're slowly putting bringing him down the card. I, I really think it would be completely 
idiotic for them to book Velveteen Dream to beat Kushida and then bring him back up in the card. I think they saw the backlash that they got. I think the time would have been to just let Velveteen Dream stay off TV from, you know, after TakeOver 30, but unfortunately we're here. We're, we're, we're here right now. So I'm going to go Kushida to win. Uh, hopefully they can build him up and use this new aggressive side of his to build, just to do something new with him, honestly. I just hope so, because Kushida's booking NXT hasn't necessarily been consistent. Next up, we're going to go with Santos Escobar, the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, defending the title against Isaiah Swerve Scott. So, this one I've kind of gone back and forth with. I'm not necessarily sure who could walk out as the champion. Uh, Scott has pinned Escobar, I believe, twice while he's NXT Champion. As much as I like Isaiah Swerve Scott, I really do like Isaiah Swerve Scott. And he probably could have been... He was one of my favorites to pick uh, to win the NXT Cruiserweight Championship during the, t- uh, the tournament they had earlier this year. But I'm going to go with Santos Escobar only because we really, we've only really scratched the surface of his NXT Championship title reign. Uh, NXT Cruiserweight Championship title reign. And I believe that with me thinking that Kushida will win the match against Velveteen Dream, I think you could build Kushida to an, a future NXT Cruiserweight Championship match. Because, I mean, Kushida was the ace of the junior heavyweight division in New Japan, and he should be the ace of the Cruiserweight division. He should be right now. But we'll get to that later. So next up we have Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae for the NXT Women's Championship. I am completely going with my heart on this one. Candice LeRae walks out as the new NXT Women's Championship. There are a few number of people I have talked about on this podcast who I have loved for so long and who I am huge, huge fans of. One of them in WWE being Drew McIntyre. The other one being Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae probably my favorite women's wrestler. That's a safe bet. I mean, her. she hasn't always been in the spotlight. It took a long time for her to get to this point right now. I think Io Shirai's title reign hasn't been the best. It's been alright. You could argue that Io could do more with the belt, but I truly think Candice needs this win. I really do. I mean, you can extend the feud. You can have them have another match at the future takeover. But I really think Candice needs the win here. I think Candice LeRae is going to walk out as the NXT Women's Champion. As for her husband, Jonathan Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, will be facing Damian Priest for the NXT North American Championship. This one I'm kind of going back and forth with. It's honestly probably the most difficult one to predict for me because Gargano and Candice LeRae stood tall holding the championships at the end of NXT when they had their mixed tag match against Io Shirai and Damian Priest. Normally, that would leave you to believe that the heels are going to lose, that the ones who stood tall at the end of the go-home episode theoretically should lose. But this one, I don't think I can go with my heart here. I'm going to have to go with my head, and I'm going to go with Damian Priest. He only just won the championship, and I think 
you can still do Priest versus Gargano. I think we're still going to get more. I think with Gargano losing, I think that will drive him more to go after the uh, North American Championship or maybe the NXT Championship down the line because I, I do think at some point we're going to get Candice and Johnny with both the Women's Championship and either the NXT North American or the NXT Championship. So for now, I'm going to go with my head on this one. I'm going to say Johnny Gargano. Now, the main event for the NXT Championship, the challenger Kyle O'Reilly versus the Prince Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. This is one where I really, really want to go with my heart. I really want to go with my heart and say Kyle O'Reilly. But is that the right choice? I don't know. Well, I kind of do know. I'm going with Finn Balor. Um, I think as an amazing job they have done to build up Kyle O'Reilly as a legitimate number one contender against Finn Balor for his championship, I got to go with Finn Balor. Um, even one of the things referenced in in the in that promo segment was Jafer, Kyle O'Reilly said your first title defense. You don't ever lose your first title defense. You know, kind of doing a work shoot angle there. But the main thing here is that I think there's going to be something big that's going to happen after this. A while ago, I had pitched an idea that where Kyle O'Reilly turns on Adam Cole and he kicks out Adam Cole of the Undisputed Era and he becomes the new single star. I was, I've been watching a couple of Cultaholic videos past couple days and Tom Campbell over there is suggesting that there could be a, an Undisputed Era civil war where you could get O'Reilly and Cole against Strong and Fish. I think maybe we could get Fish and Roddy or Fishing Rod, as they've been called on the internet, to interfere on O'Reilly's behalf. Even though O'Reilly said, I will not have the Undisputed Era around, it's just going to be me. And then that could cost Kyle the match, and he's like, I want to do this on my own. I've got this. Maybe Cole can intervene and be like, and try and stop Fish and Strong, be like, guys, he's got this. Just let him do it. He can do this. So maybe we could get that. Maybe it could be a big ruse and, and you know... After the match, Kyle loses and Cole turns on him. I don't know. There's a lot that could happen at the end of this. And it's just mainly what's made me so excited is what could happen after the match. And I really, really want Kyle O'Reilly to win, but I don't think he will. I am going to say this is a match of the year contender. This is going to be a barn burner of a match. I have said it before that if you have never, if you're not familiar with Kyle O'Reilly and his singles wrestling uh, work, you are in for an amazing match this Sunday against Finn Balor. It is, hope I wish it was Kyle O'Reilly's time. It's not his time just yet, but this will help him break out into that big singles babyface push. Another thing that I literally just thought of right now, another factor could be Tommaso Ciampa. Because remember, Kyle O'Reilly broke up a little uh, brawl that uh, Tommaso Ciampa had. Not a brawl, but he was beating down somebody. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Jake Atlas, I think it was. I, and Kyle O'Reilly stopped him. So, <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa could play into the role in this. 
I don't think they'll do any dusty finishes. Maybe Kyle will lose, and then Champa will attack O'Reilly after the match is over. But I can't wait for TakeOver. In only two weeks of building this TakeOver, I think they've done an amazing job. I am so excited for this Sunday. I cannot wait to watch. Hopefully, you'll all be watching this Sunday. What match are you guys looking forward to the most? Go on Twitter at TNAWP. I have a poll out there for which match are you looking forward to the most in between the three matches of Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor, Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai, and Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest. Those are the ones I'm looking forward to the most, but which one are you guys looking forward to the most? Thank you all so much for listening. Again, follow us on Twitter at TNAWP. Let, uh, follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Like us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Please be sure you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm, wherever you get your fine podcast formats. I hope you all are doing well out there. I hope you're all doing safe. I hope you're staying safe, protecting yourselves, protecting your loved ones. Enjoy NXT TakeOver 31 this Sunday. I've been CJ Palmasano, and I will see you all next time.